Hey guys, we are rolling into our next episode of the Tim Ballard Podcast. I have a, a special guest here. I'm sorry for, for our audience. His face will be blurred out because he's one of our undercover operators. Uh, and uh, we're going to talk about our operations in Mexico. Um, we're going to call him Alberto in this, for, this, uh, for the purposes of, of this interview. Um, and he is one of our um, undercover operators that focuses a lot in Mexico, he himself being Mexican. And he he goes deep, deep cover, and we're going to talk about some of the um, some of the operations we've done there, and we're also going to get into the the politics of the border. Uh, it'd be interesting to to hear the perspective of someone who fights child crimes and also is Mexican and also is aware of the fact that there's a border, and what do we do about that border? What is it? Is it a good thing? Is it a bad thing? Is it a racist thing? Like we've been told, is it a compassionate thing? It's what is it? We'll get it, we'll get into all of that. But Alberto, thank you for being here, brother. ¿Cómo estás? <laughs> okay, vamos a hablar sí. en español. Vamos a hablar okay. en español. Por español. No, I'm just kidding. So, uh, luckily, Alberto is bilingual. But um, so I want to talk about there's an operation that you know we we have as you know we have six regions around the world where we're we're doing operations constantly, and I sometimes involve myself in an operation, and you know. When I feel called to do that, I have a hundred different things I've got to do. But there's one there's one operation in particular that was a two year long operation. Only recently uh, ended in the arrest of um, of a uh, human trafficker, child exploiter. Um, one of the craziest cases, and I think one of the most dangerous um, people uh, in 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 the trafficking world in Mexico and maybe maybe anywhere. Calls herself the Caribbean Queen. Um, this operation for a little context, um, started, uh, like I said, about two and a half years ago, uh, we were in, um, we were actually down in, 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 uh, in the, in Cancun region, working with the federal police on several leads. One of which, uh, was an American man. Uh, he was a convicted pedophile. He's a fugitive for seven or eight years out of Florida. No one knew where he was. He was hiding on the little island of Cozumel which is just off the coast of, of Quintana Roo, of, of Playa del Carmen, which is near Cancun. And the Mexican um, federales asked us to go undercover and basically infiltrate this guy's world and get him out, kind of extract him out so that they could arrest him. Uh, we did that when we infiltrated this guy. We got into his house. We got that close to him, got him to invite us inside his home and discovered that he was sleeping with a seven-year-old child and he had allegedly been raping a nine-year-old child. And that's, and so, you know, getting this guy out and he's still in jail and it was a righteous case. But while we were there, we, we, we wouldn't be spending too much time in this little island because the population is small relative to the other cities in, in, in that region. But while we were there, we had to wait 15, 20 minutes while we were, someone was getting us a, a, a Jeep that we could rent and use as our undercover vehicle. And uh, me and another operator went for a walk just down the street, asked just a couple of street thugs, like, where do you get sex around here? Um, they point us to this little spa. We walk into the spa. It didn't seem like much. Uh, it seemed like a regular spa. Everyone was wearing white clothes, like a, like a kind of more high-end kind of spa and didn't really think it looked like what the guy outside told us it might be. So we returned. We did several other operations during this time. Um, and maybe six months later, we had like a half day and nothing to do. People were exhausted because we'd been working all week, but I just said, guys, let's go back to that spa. No, there's nothing there. But what if there is? 
we end up going back to that spa. We infiltrate, uh, pretending to be clients, sex tourists, whatever. And by the end of the night, the owner shows up and reveals herself as uh, as someone who is selling children as young as six years old. Uh, we we recently did a a quick little uh, spot on this, um, and it got almost three million views. When I told you it was just a piece of the story, this particular trafficker uh, brings doctors to her um, sex parties, or if if she's selling a child, there's a doctor nearby so that the kid can be sewn up. Um, and I apologize, you know, trigger warning ahead of time. So the so the kids can be sewn up uh, because uh, they can be torn apart while being raped. And but don't worry, the doctors are going to sew you up, and and don't worry, you'll be back. She'll be back to work immediately. And and, and she was telling us this because she thought we were going to be her business partners. And so she was telling it to us as if it were a good thing. It was, hey, look, we like the, these 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 objects that some people call children, whatever. They're objects to her. And you know we got we can get it fixed back up and back back to work. I mean, in, within six to eight weeks. So that's who this person was revealed to us who she was, and uh, thus began this deep infiltration and operation uh, into this trafficking network. She had lots of people around her. She had the local police uh, on on her payroll, um, and the case just got bigger and bigger and crazier and crazier. And uh, one of our lead undercover operators on the case is Alberto. So. Alberto, why don't you just jump in and, I mean, tell us about this trafficker, this operation, um, and your perspective, what you saw, what you've done. Yeah, so this is a unique one for me because typically I am um, one of the main UCs, right, uh, actually dealing with the trafficker, uh, trying to buy children or set up a party. Uh, most of this case, I actually was lead cover team. Um so I was dealing a lot with the, with the main person that was um, talking with the Caribbean queen, uh, doing a lot of translating, kind of sifting through the culture, you know, translating things, uh, interpreting what she really meant, um, that sort of thing. So I, I got to have an outside perspective because it was interesting to see uh, some of the actual UCs on this case um, get kind of played with mind games. And you know this, she's a, she's a psychopath. Yeah. And I mean... This is one of the, and I've, I've talked to dozens and dozens of traffickers over the past couple of years, and this is one of the most sick, distorted human beings I have ever met. Like, I remember seeing her for the first time. She's met me. She doesn't, she doesn't even know it, right? Um, I remember seeing her the first time, and, and you could almost see the soul that wasn't there in her eyes. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and just the things she would say, the things she would text, um, how she would articulate it and make it sound completely okay what was going on. I mean, she was a savior to these kids in her eyes, right? Right. She was, she was giving them some money to take back home and put food on the table. Um, I remember her saying once to me when I was, you know, inserted as an undercover operator on this one, she, she said, these kids, they're, they're, these are poor kids in Mexico. They're going to get, they're going to get raped anyway. At least this way I have a doctor outside and, and, and I'll, I'll give them something. Yeah. I mean, that, that's, a, so she thought she was great. No, hundred percent. And, <laughs> and, and kind of jumping forward to. Uh, when the police took down her place and some of the documents they found, it was very it was very apparent that she. I mean, it was nonchalant for her. It was it was business. We we saw documents that they seized that I've never I've been doing this for eighteen years. She wasn't even trying to hide what she it was did. Like, it was like a damn Walmart receipt. But what's interesting is what inspired to think that kind of confidence. Very arrogant person, mm -hmm. but she had top cover. We yes. know this because 
a year before she actually got arrested, we had worked things with. The, the I, I think police. it was almost a year and a half. Right? We said, okay, yeah, yeah. probably was. And we worked things with the police tour. We had a restaurant ready to go. And I remember saying, look, we love you, Mexico, but you're famous for some corruption. So please, can you find a way to get her arrested without issuing the warrant or at least issue the warrant like just right before the arrest? And they, they said, well, we'll they, they put it like an hour before the arrest. And within 30 minutes of it going, of, of it being just filed with the court, boom, she calls us. It's like, get off the island. I don't know what's going on, but we're lit up, right? Later, you're going to discover the counter surveillance she had on us all the time. Tell, tell me yeah. about that. Yeah. So that, that's kind of jumping ahead to, to one of the last times we went, right? Um, I mean, this, this lady was, she was probably a little more connected than we gave her um, credit for at first, right? She was really good at mind games. So we always took everything she said with a grain of salt. Um, but I, you know, not, not, no one's perfect on these operations, right? You get some of these veteran guys that are doing this for 20 years. They might have a slip up. Uh, some of the younger guys might have a slip up people that aren't experienced, right? We do our best to, to keep our lips tight, but, um, some word got around that there was a party in town and we were there to do business with Maria. Um, I don't know exactly what was said, but it was said in a taxi, right? And this is at the airport. Mind you, how far is the airport from Cosmo? It's, I mean, it's, it's an hour and a half drive. Just to fly out, right? Yeah. And then another, and then, and then the, and I mean, the, it's fair, a distance. and there's millions of people in between millions of people. Right. And so her name her name gets, gets mentioned. Um, taxi driver makes a call to her, one of her associates. They make calls around Playa. They say, see where these people are going. Um, gate guards knew our house time. We were leaving time the in and out when we were actually going to go meet with her versus when we told her. Um, so that was, that was pretty crazy to, to find that out, you know, later after she was arrested, obviously we found that out and to know, I mean, this is, this is a dangerous game we're playing, uh, cause ultimately the strings are all connected back to the cartel. And so. this is why, I mean, we, we get disguised, we go undercover, we are in role from the time we leave the United States. We land in role. Exactly. We get picked up in role. Exactly. But even then, someone just mentioned her name a, a far distance from her and she knew. Had a counter on us. I mean, it turns out our staging house was being watched. Exactly. I mean, that's, that's, I mean 24-7, you know, vigilance. That is of our place. That is creepy. But it also... Serious, we take our undercover roles. Exactly. How far we go in terms. We've had you've seen us with makeup artists from Hollywood on in our staging uh, location, putting on prosthetic scars, wigs. You know, we 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 go in as couples or as you know, tours, whatever it is, to protect each other. And it's it's uh, it's pretty um, intense the prep, um, and this is why. I mean, in this case, I mean, it was recommended after the. The first failed attempt, don't go back. I mean, because you think about this, she she doesn't know who the who the the rat is. So so we had to go back in. We we dismissed half of our team and called them the bad guys or the guys who told the cops. Yep. Right? The good guy, bad guy. Yep. Right. Um, and we had to convince her, but that's not us. We hardly even knew them. We're so sorry we brought them. We don't even know they were investors. We didn't know. We're clean, we're clean, we're clean. I mean, we went to lates, right? We we built a website. We disappeared for a year and made her believe that we set up a series of spas through Europe. We had a whole website. We had videos of our undercover players in Europe. We had a we had a Ukrainian operator come in posing as kind of the the, the one of the, the one of the massage people that leads to the whole sex thing. Um, we did a, a real estate thing too. I don't know if you remember. That's that. right. I went down. Yeah. That. We, well, yeah, yeah. 
we were looking at a bunch of real estate to purchase so that, you know, when she started calling around, because this lady was so connected, right. she was going to call around. I'm sure she did she, call around. I'm sure she did. And, uh, you know, oh yeah, this, this group, you know, is looking for this sort of place for, for a spa of this kind. And so. we made it so she would know it was us. Exactly. Because she'd have no way to know that we, we, we just, we were just a little bit loud about yep. it. And then those are the things that kept her in the game. Cause she's like, man, I don't, I mean, I'm telling you, you remember this. At one point she says, look guys, I'm so connected that not only, not only did they send me a copy of the warrant that was out for my arrest, but they sent me the whole report. And she says to us at one point, because in, in the affidavit, right, they wrote something like the cops, the prosecutors wrote something like, we're working with a Utah-based nonprofit, which, you know, we're all over the world, but that's how they describe us for whatever reason, you know, because our head, we, have, we have our headquarters in Salt Lake. Um, she said to us, are you guys from Utah? She called it Utan, remember? Yeah, Utan. <laughs> are you guys from Utan? And we're like, what? What are, what are, what are you talking about? We're like, oh my gosh, dude. She, and yet still, by the very, I mean, she never backed away from us. We, it, it was, it was, it was, it was walking a tightrope for sure. But by the end, when she finally got arrested, she still didn't know. Yeah. And she wasn't willing to walk away from us. Yeah. Well, kind of like like we were chatting earlier with uh, me, you, and Mark. You know, he, he said he put twenty grand down on the table, and this is a you know figuratively, right? Any yeah. amount of money, significant amount of money on the table. These people don't have a conscience, right? They're they're whatever light of Christ is. I mean, it's it's covered by a blanket in their heart because that's all they see. They just see dollar signs at the end of the day and greed, and it's and it's pure evil. And yeah, even the fact, I mean, she was so spooked. If I was her. You know, if I think as as a bad guy, if I was in that position, I would cut all ties. I'd bounce Cosmel and, and go back to the village, you know. And Absolutely. So, but not her. No, she stayed. And we can't give more details on it because it's still ongoing. In fact, uh, Alberto just got back. They, 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 they hit three different locations. This was a networked person, right? She, she had connections everywhere. Again, local police on her payroll. I know that because she would show up to, to meets that we undercover meets with cops. At first, I thought it was blue on blue. Like, oh, crap, we're going to try to arrest each other. <laughs> nope. Those are her bodyguards. The police. The local police. So you think about these kids in Cozumel, and that's where she sourced most of them from the impoverished part of town. You, It's this weird dichotomy. It's this weird mind game. You got families. I, I vacationed two or three times there before this. I'll, I'll never vacation there again. But um, families walking with their kids from, from the U.S. or all over the world, not even knowing that down this alley around the corner, a 12-year-old girl's getting raped by some American sex tourist. It's, that's the weird world around uh, human trafficking. And it's just, it's right, it's, it's the underbelly of what looks just fine. Um, and that's what this place, what this place was. Um, and so we took down, we've, we've taken down several locations. She was very networked. Her plan was to build a series of those spas all throughout Mexico. And we were going to fund them and she was going to source them. And there you go. That was that was her plan. Yeah, she she even told you she wanted to be number one in Mexico. That's right. She she, she wanted to be on top. She wanted she wanted to go from the the queen of the Caribbean to the queen of Mexico. Queen of Mexico, <laughs> later the queen of the world. But um, but yeah, her story will come out as we continue to to dig. Um, let's change topics real quick. It's very interesting to me to get your perspective and you know the the, the politics around the border, the southern border. Um, I'll say this: I worked for ten years on that border, uh, and it was never partisan. It was never political. And in fact, Bill Clinton, if you research, I actually wrote a, I wrote a dissertation in grad school about the border. Not, not, it wasn't even political. But Bill Clinton, the Democrats built most of the wall. You know, then, you know, 
Bush built a bunch of it. Like it was not partisan because for me, the the more the wall, the more opportunity we had to rescue children. But I'm, I've heard I've heard around that building a wall and enforcing border policies is racist. Do do you feel that way? And give me your thoughts on it. Yeah. Uh, so absolutely not. I think border protection is 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 paramount. Um, having lived on the border um, for multiple years, about three and a half total, right? Um, year and a half on, on the on the southern border in San Diego, and then um, a couple years serving a mission in the Rio Grande Valley. And you know, as as a missionary uh, for the LDS Church, right? You're you're very open hearted. You're loving everyone. You know, teaching the gospel to anyone, not judging their backstory. Um, so I went down there with a very a very unbiased mindset, right? Um, the things I saw though on the border, even just as a missionary, this is before I started, you know, I got into the line of work we're in right now. Um, and, and I'll, I'll go into that later, but it was, it was insane. There's no accountability at all. And, uh, you know, my, my family came across legally and I get, I get the, the hardships that brings coming across legally and getting papers. I still have cousins that are, you know, been in the countries, been in the country for decades and they're having troubles getting the papers they need. So I, I, I get it right. I can comprehend it. But at the same time, I also watched uh, one of my, we call in the, in, the, in the LDS church, your investigators when they're investigating the church, he was trying to get out of the cartel. And I watched the cartel come across the border with no repercussions and kill him. They took him right in front of my eyes and they went wow. and smoked him. Um, and that, you know, that was one of my first areas of my mission. And that, uh, that really changed my perspective. Um, I started to become more attentive of what was going on. Um, I, I watched kids get put into rafts, bricks of whatever, get put under the backpack unaccompanied quote unquote, and just pushed across the river and they hit the other side of the bank in 15 seconds. And then there they are running oh. to the bush. Um, yeah, I mean, I could, I could go on forever, but you know, to answer that question, no, it's absolutely has nothing to do with race at all. It's, it's a, nothing. It's if anything, it's the most compassionate thing for anyone South of the border, whatever race you are. Um, because it's how we rescue people. And, and not only that, too, I think I don't think people realize how bad we, we talk about it, you know, hurting our country. Right. You hear that a lot on the news. We don't talk about how bad it hurts Mexico, too. You know, they're losing a lot of people and it's driving human trafficking. Right. Rampant in Mexico because everyone knows it's the funnel to get to the to the U.S. So the borders are of the United States is Kamala Harris, we're told. And I remember like being so disappointed hearing that when I, I saw one of her posts. Um years ago about the border. She was, she was touting the success of, of the uh, Customs and Border Protection officials who had just seized a, a huge amount of cocaine at the port of entry. And so she said, you see, you see the seizures, the rescues happen at the port of entry. We don't need a wall. We don't need a wall because the operations are happening at the port of entry. And I just thought, you, are you serious? Like two plus two equals four. You can't congratulate the port of entry for anything like a seizure or a rescue without simultaneously congratulating the wall because the wall creates the port of entry. Exactly. That's the whole point. It's like, do we just, do we really understand this concept? Disneyland gets it. Every single museum and concert and theme park understands it. All these politicians understand it too. How many of them have gates around their house? Right. It's just, (laughs) you funnel through. No, it's not anti, I'm I'm the most pro-immigration person I know I've got two children who are immigrants. I'm very pro-immigration. I'm for huge ports of entry and also huge walls and huge protection. Why? Because I've rescued children. I've seen children rescued. 
In The Sound of Freedom, uh, there, you see an actual, a real, a, depicted a real scene where we rescued a little boy thanks to the wall because the wall forced the trafficker to push through a place where experts who know what to look for and are looking for children exactly. who are being hurt. So it's, it's the strangest thing to me that we don't side on the, on, on the part of, of, of kids. And now you mentioned these unaccompanied minors. 85,000 unaccompanied minors have showed up to the, to the border and been released into the United States. And I've been there. I know this. But what happens is they show up, the trafficker just puts something in their pocket, says sponsor, whatever, any name, John Smith, phone number. They get to their side and it's not the CBP folks' fault. They're following instructions. All they can do is they, they have to release the kid. They call the, Someone calls the number. Some, usually it's an NGO that's attached to the to the HHS, which is in charge of taking care of the kids. Um, you know, this is the kids in cages. Kid, the kids that end up in the, in, the, in the facilities that, you know, what is politically expedient, one side or the other calls it cages. It's actually the kids that got saved, by the way. And there's hopefully an investigation going on to find their parents. But the ones who come with a little name on it, sponsor, name, number, they get released. So they call the number. Oh, yeah, I'm John Smith. Yeah, I'm in New York City. Yeah. Yes, here's the address. They will send... Our taxpayer dollars put the kid on a plane, on a bus, and send them to the, to that place, yeah. which is the very good chance, if you know the economics of child sex, again, the United States, we are the number one demand. We are the number one consumer of child sex material over and over again. So it, it doesn't take a, a, a rocket scientist to look at the, econo- the, the economy of this thing and see how it's easy it is for a, a pedophile who can make so much money selling a child. All they have to do is give him a number, give him a name. The kid goes over. Now, if if you if someone were to find a kid, okay, just in any kid in New York City, San Francisco, Salt Lake City, San Diego, any city, a kid ch- just turns up alone, missing, an unaccompanied minor, we'll call it, um, not not from across the border, but just wherever. What would happen to that kid? Okay, being in law enforcement for as long as I was, I can tell you what's going to happen. That kid's going to be taken to a, a child protection service, and no one can just p- show, show up and take the kid. There's going to be background checks. There's going to be DNA testing. There's going to be so much stuff before that child can be released to somebody. Um, now, that's that would be the typical white kid who was found in Salt Lake City. That's what would happen. And yet, this administration is not affording the same benefit to a child who's likely going to be a brown child, okay, who's coming across the border. Nope, you get nothing. You, we just release you. No investigation, no background check. Uh, I, the, the administration recently uh, eliminated... Uh, the, a program or for, for rapid DNA testing. That technology exists. I've seen it. I've used it. Um, nope. Eliminate that. Just let them in, let them in, let them in. And 85,000 children have come in, at least, have come in that way to the world capital of child sex, the United States of America. So that is disturbing to me. The only compassionate policy are big walls and big ports of entry and border enforcement. That's compassionate. That is caring. And that is protecting children. But anyone who says this is called a racist. Yeah, yeah, which is which is insane because I've I've had the opportunity multiple times to deal with uh, you know three letter agencies and even uh, sheriff's departments on the border, and these these people that handle these immigrants that come across illegal are illegally are the most compassionate people. I mean, these cops are handing them granola bars and teddy bears. Yeah, and you know nothing. There is not a a, a racist. Um, bone in a lot of these people's bodies, right? And uh, I, I think that the ones really who who are 
I, I don't know if I'd say racist, but the ones that are complicit in the human trafficking are these politicians in Washington, D.C. that are letting this happen. They, they know what's happening. You can't tell me they don't have these numbers. Um, I've also talked to many CBP guys that have told me, hey, look, it, we, or we don't even have accountability anymore. Like you're saying the DNA testing, we have that technology. They don't even have, a, they're having repeat numbers. I've been told multiple times, I won't name anyone, but I've been told multiple times they're having repeat numbers, meaning people are going through, they're kind of just doing a clicker, getting a number. And these they're like, wait, we already have 372, you know, like four times. So how the hell do they know where these people are? You know what I mean? These kids are going out into the world as minors that don't speak the language for God knows what to happen to. I don't, labor trafficking, human trafficking, uh, you know, some of them end up just homeless, dying. You know, there's a, there's a lot they're not showing to it. And we haven't even talked about the, you know, because you hear a lot of people say, well, 90% of these people, and even if this is true, 90% of these people coming across are good, That you know, they're good people, good hearts. They want to work hard. What about that 10%? What about that 1%? And you multiply the millions over the past couple of years that have came through our border and just say 1% of them are bad people. We're talking hundreds of thousands. We're talking a big city worth of cartel members, mafiosos, or, and, and what can you do with those kind of numbers? Yeah. So unbelievable. Well, Alberto, thank you. Of course. Thanks for giving your insight. Um, everybody, if you want to really learn about the benefit of having border enforcement, watch Sound of Freedom. It's, it's kind of subtle, but the entire case is depicted in the film kicks off because a wall forced a human trafficker to push the child through a place where experts could rescue that kid. That child then had intelligence that led to the rescue of dozens of others. So if you haven't bought your tickets yet, please buy your tickets. Thanks so much. And stay tuned until we have our next installment of the Tim Ballard Podcast. <laughs>